Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. So I guess uh, as, a, as, a, as a sort of... Uh, um uh, sort of uh, starting point. We just uh, capture the, the the timeline. So if you sort of uh, like I, I said yesterday, picture yourself like uh, 20, 30, 50 years down the line, and uh, you're sitting there enjoying your martini on some exotic beach somewhere, <laughs> and you're looking back to see you know who was uh, around like years ago and what has been the journey so sort of a take a, a take it in a chronological order for example your your story like you know uh, where you come from from birth the parents the siblings and all of that so let's probably uh start start from there just uh give us your your story from there you know where you you grew up and all of that so just take it away from there to begin with yeah okay all right thanks um I suppose, first of all, thanks for asking me to do this session. Um, mm-hmm. which I haven't done a podcast before. I've done some interviews recently, but oh, I've not done podcasts. And yeah, looking back, I mean, actually, it, I, it feels like this is a halfway point, maybe, hopefully, a halfway point <laughs> in, in a yeah. life. And I really don't know what's going to happen, but going forwards but I, I'll tell you a bit about what happened yeah to get to here mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's been, yeah it's been quite interesting I guess um mm-hmm. in the long way in Malawi yeah uh, in 1974 mm-hmm. and it was I guess an interesting time because we had as a nation, been independent for 10 years yeah my parents um are also quite an interesting couple my my father is malawian from Deza, um mm-hmm. and he had he had uh managed to go to study in canada in in ottawa uh where he met my mum, who's who's canadian and uh, my they got married my sister was born in Canada mm-hmm. in 1969, and then they moved back to Malawi, um, which I think for that time, at the end of the 60s, uh, for a mixed race couple, uh, was you know a very challenging and brave thing to do, uh, just to be together. So they moved back to Malawi, and they were actually quite. Um, they were not they were not well off they were quite poor when they arrived my dad came from quite a um you know a, a, from a village in in, in Debsa. um and i think they lived in in dirande when they first arrived in Blantai. Um, um but they just they just worked very hard my dad was in uh, in government in the civil service um my father a malawian uh, from Debsa. Who had managed to go study um, to get a scholarship to go study in, in Ottawa? My mum um, 
was a Canadian, is still a Canadian, lovely Canadian place. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But they got married and they moved back to Malawi in, in I think it was 1969, with my small sister, with my sister who was um, just a baby. And I was mm-hmm. born in 1974 in, in Longwe. Um, and I remember when being born, we didn't have a lot, you know, we were not, uh, we were not, we were not a well-off family. We, we, my dad worked in, in the government as a sort of a junior civil servant. Uh, and my mum also worked um, for, I think, the import and export company. Uh, so... But you know, we had a we had a nice upbringing, and what I didn't what I didn't realize at that time was that actually being mixed race was going to become quite a large part of my identity and and you know who I who I was going to become. But I don't we didn't we didn't really see color. So when we were growing up, we didn't realize that my parents were different races and and. Our friends were black Malawian, Asian Malawian, European, a complete uh, mix of, of, of friends and, and uh, school colleagues. So, yeah, the race, which now, even given the events that are happening now in, in the States, is, is surprising to me, but I think that's, that's the beauty of children is that they, um, their racism is not, or race difference is not, uh, it's not inherited, it's, it's taught. So, um, yeah, absolutely, because they are all innocent, isn't it? They are all pure and, you know, you're not polluted by all these uh, hatred and everything else that happens in the world, you know? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, mm. when I was mm. four, we then, uh, we then moved to Kenya. Um, my dad got a um, uh, a post in in the uh, in the diplomatic service there. So we moved to Nairobi, um, and we lived there till I was seven, and then we moved back to Lilongwe, and mm-hmm. I, I spent the rest of my primary school uh, days at Bishop Mackenzie in in Lilongwe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and I think it's there that I started to play, to really get interested in music. Um, my 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 parents, my, my my dad was sort of moving up in in the um, in his position, so we were able to afford um, a piano. My mum one day came home with, uh, with a piano, which was really exciting, and so I started to have piano piano lessons through school. And I think that's when I really got fell in love with music. Um, mm. Of course, there was a wonderful, at that age, say now about 9, 10, uh, we're kind of around 1980, there was a, a wonderful breadth of music to listen to. So there was, of course, what was on the radio a lot, a lot of um, reggae, a lot of Bob Marley, and a lot of Peter Pop. There was our own Malawian music, so wonderful band. Um, like uh, the Jupiters and Makasu, Kalimba, uh, and I listened to you know I listened to all of those bands. But I, I, I loved 
um, our own indigenous Maui music. Uh, and yeah, I think it was a pretty happy times. Um, when I was 11, I sat the exam for Kamizu Academy. And, and for those who, you froze, but I think it's okay. Um, for those who are not from Malawi listening, Kamuzu Academy was a, a quite an interesting endeavor, a school set up by our then uh, life president, Dr. Kamuzu Banda. And the idea was to provide a, a very high level of education for the top students in, in each district. So there, are, there were then 24 districts in Malawi. So they would take the top two uh, boys and the top girl from the government schools in, uh, in in the JCE exams. And they had a few places also for, Bishop McKenzie was actually a non-government school, it was a private school. And mm. so they had a few places for people from uh, Hillview in Blantyre or St. Andrews or Bishop McKenzie. So I wrote those exams, um, passed and got accepted to, to Kamuzu Academy. Um, and, and then I went there when I was about 11, and that was uh, boarding. And that was quite an, in, it was really an interesting experience because I think I'd been shielded somehow, maybe by going to, to Bishop McKenzie, that uh, it was very international. It was, uh, as I said, our, the group of friends was very um, mixed. And when I, when I arrived at KA, it was very, um, everyone was, it was not, it was, everyone was Malawian and, and mainly from government yeah. schools. So it was quite difficult for me at first. I think culturally I had grown up quite Western and there were, yeah. there were quite a lot of things about Malawian culture and language that I just sort of missed in my, in my childhood. Um, so you know, I'm really glad I went to KA because I was forced to sort of learn instantaneously about my own culture and about my own roots. And I think if I had gone to St. Andrews in Blantyre or if I had uh, come to the UK, I would have missed even more kind of that education into my own heritage. So the KA was good. I made, you know, that there were great friends around, mm. um, continued the music journey. We had a, a well-stocked music department, so I, uh, with a few friends, we formed a band, mm. and we would play at the school discos. And we did a couple of, I think, one a couple of tours to the Long Way and to the one to play. So that was also where music, um, again, uh, yeah, I suppose I carried on developing this that this love for music and. Through some of my friends, Charles Namate, um, Anthony Ngalika, it was at it was at KA that I I first yeah. I've been playing piano and mainly, um, but at KA I then started learning guitar, and uh, there were some some great guys that I formed uh, the first band with. So there, there was a guy uh, who's still. Uh, we're still in touch, Leonardo Chisunzi. He's up in Manchester or Birmingham. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mate, unfortunately, I think he, he he passed a few years ago. 
Uh, but they taught me uh, they taught me some sort of traditional guitar riffs and some of the kind of more rumba orientated um, uh, guitar picking. So that mm-hmm. sort of, um, and that really where where I started writing songs. Um, but my my cello was was pretty poor, mm. uh, so I was generally writing songs in English. Um, but as a band, we played we played covers. We played some of the Makatsu songs, songs like Napolo, songs like um, Matenda, some of those songs. And actually, one one yeah. one really special moment was we had one year at the end of term. You remember because you were at, also at KA. I don't know. If they still did this, but we would have a big uh, disco party. And one year, the band Kalimba came to play, and they were my yes, they were, they were my heroes. And at that time, there was a guy called Kid Nkandariri. He was in Kalimba, I think. Stan Piri, I'm not sure. If, yeah, Stan Piri. Uh, and we we were helping out because we were the we were musicians, so we were helping out with their gear and setting up and stuff. And then they kind of said, do you, do you want to come and play a song with us? And so I went and played, a, played I think, guitar with them. And that was, for me, just one of the most special moments of, mm. of school to have that chance to play with um, with Kalimba was was uh, just a special treat for probably a 16 or 17-year-old. I did my A-levels. Um, when choosing the subjects, I, I I was wanting to study music, but uh, the careers advisors, the people around me, sort of said, you know, it's a tough career. Why don't you study something you can definitely make some money from and do the music separately? So mm-hmm. I, I took that advice. Um, I decided to decided to study architecture, which I also had an interest in. Um, mm-hmm. And after my A-levels, um, my dad had got another posting. So he went to, uh, he was in Germany. Uh, so I, I I didn't go with them. I was I stayed at school in, in Malawi. But when I finished school, I went to, to join them in Germany for about uh, eight months. And that was also very interesting. Yeah. That was 92. There was a lot of the, the wall had just come down in Berlin, and there was a lot of quite a lot of race-related issues. There was a lot of um, right-wing movements in Germany who uh, that you know didn't feel comfortable with with foreigners. So I got into it was interesting. Um, I got I saw quite a lot of um, race-related violence. Um, you know, things just happening, people's houses being burnt down, you know, terrible things happening. Yeah. Um, wow. And uh, and then I applied to get into to, to go to South Africa to, to the University of Cape Town and I got accepted. So that was another chapter. Um and when I arrived in Cape Town, again it was sort of ninety three, I think. Mandela had been out of jail maybe one or two years, but it was before the first election. So that was another big eye-opener. Um, I think that's when I really started to realize that um, there were big race issues in, in the world, and, that, and I started to realize that I was sort of stuck in between two races. 
Um, hmm. uh, and it was a, it was very it was difficult. I, I became very depressed in in my first few years of university. I struggled a lot um, just trying to deal with with a lot of these issues. I think. Um, so it, it was a tough time, but it got better. It got better, and I was still playing music. I carried on playing with um, yeah, friends at university. We had various bands. Um, I was now writing songs, and I think all in all, I spent six years in South Africa. In South Africa, yeah. that was all in Cape Town, yeah. You know. it was, yeah, it was all in Cape Town. Um, and it was again another bit of education, I guess. Uh, 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 after that, I, I went. After I finished university, I, I went back to Lilongwe and uh, set up a small practice and spent about a year and a half in Malawi playing music um, and 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 working as an architect. And then I decided to qualify uh, under the. The RIBA, the Royal Institute of British Architects, which meant coming here, coming to London um, in 2000 to to study the third part of of, of the training and to do the, to, to to become chartered, basically. Um, and so, yeah, so I came to London in 2000, and I'm still living in London. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I did have a, that's uh, 20 years on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's kind of it. It that even that period got split up a bit because I was here full time till two thousand and seven, um, and I was playing music. And at that time, the penny dropped because I was playing with a friend of mine called Sam Taylor, a wonderful jazz musician. And Sam, I was playing him some of the songs from Malawi, and and he said, "Why don't you sing?" these songs and why don't you sing in, in Chichewa and I said well you know I love these songs but the problem is that my, my Chewa is not very good um, I lost the ability to when I was learning to speak we were in Kenya so you know I got confused and I just and he encouraged me he said you know I really think you should try to learn and learn your language mm -hmm. so in about 2007 I decided that I was going to sort of address and what for me were it was a lot of fear fear of my identity fear of of who i was fear of um how people would judge me yeah um, and i went on a sort of a seven-year sabbatical um that started in 2008 and in that time i recorded my first album which i i I, I sort of funded and released on my own label. Um, I met up with some wonderful friends, Ernest Ikwanga and uh, Jimmy Bingani in Nilongwe, and they, uh, I don't know if you know of them, but they're, Ernest is a great, one of our great jazz um, guitarists and musicians. And so they kind of, yeah, they helped me a lot. They helped me, they started to teach me how to speak Chichewa. Uh, they started kind of, helping me with music um, and in return I was trying to help them trying to help them with their studio they were trying to they were they were in area 24 and they were help they were doing a look good business with a lot of musicians who just wanted to come in and do a, a song or, you know so 
it was great. We recorded uh, my first album together, and that was Puff in, in Chewa. They helped me with, with, with some of the lyrics and some of the songwriting. And what I discovered was I could start to learn actually through through that way, through music, through having to tell a story or having to 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 sing in 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 Chewa. So yeah, that was it was a that was a fundamental shift for me, I think. Um, and I really that journey ended in 2015. I came back to London. I met my wife. Um, during those years, I, I traveled around. I played a lot of music. Um, I, I lived in Egypt for a bit. I lived in um, in Indonesia. I lived in Tanzania and Zanzibar. I was I kind of gave up architecture for a few years, and I, I, I was working as a, a scuba dive instructor. I think I just wanted yeah. a life. I wanted a life change, and I needed to find out who I was. And you know, there was quite a lot of criticism. I've met a lot of critical people in Malawi, kind of saying, "You're not Malawi, and what are you doing? Why are you, why are you playing our music?" And I was saying, "No, I am. I am Malawian, and then I know you're not." So there were, you know, a lot of things that I needed to work out for myself. And it was those seven years. I mean, my my first album, Pala, was really about, you know, the food you give to a baby and trying to work out who I was and who I wanted to be. Um, and yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so for, for, those, for those listening, that's a porridge, isn't it? It's porridge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a porridge made made from, from ufa, from flour, white flour with some, uh, the way you would make consumer, but you don't go all the way. You kind of let it uh, stay a bit runny and then you can add some milk and some butter and uh, mm. it's, it's uh, soul food, so I thought this yeah. is a, it's a good name for an album because it, in a way, I'm a bit like a baby. I'm sort of learning about myself and my my culture. Um, and so yeah, so that that all sort of ended in 2015. I met my my wife um, in Zanzibar, and we moved back to um, to, to to London, and and we got married. Um, and then I started actually had 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 a band here before that with some friends, and we 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 kept that relationship. Uh, so my three brothers, um, Army, George, and Tom, who are now my band, and they were very also instrumental in sort of saying, "Now nah, we're not going to play any more songs in English. The the ones you've written, we're gonna we need to." If you want to be taken seriously, you're going to have to just define who you are and be niche. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So we stopped playing all the songs I'd written in English, and we really just focused on on the the, the Chewa songs. And we started to write together. So I started. We, we wrote a second EP, and there I was able to write more of the lyrics. Um, and we just discovered we were. You know, then neither none of them are from Malawi, so it was it's an interesting fusion of uh, our meet the, our drummer. He's he's uh, grew up in London, but he's from uh, Indian descent, so he plays a lot of tabla and Indian traditional instruments. George is is uh, British uh, from from the UK, and Tom has roots uh, in Malawi with his family, but we're very we're all very different, coming from different places, and so. They've 
given me a space to express myself and to be kind of Malawian, the Malawian in the band. Um, yeah. And they, yeah, they had really encouraged me and given me a vehicle to develop. And so over the last five years, we've developed as a, as a band, we've become a bit more, um, we, we, we get, you know, better gigs. We, we, we play in bigger, bigger festivals. We're playing uh, a, a bit more on the circuit. So, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been, you know, and then this is where I am now, really. Um, yeah. And, yeah, like I said, I, I feel it's like I'm halfway through a story. And yeah. sometimes, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I really, in my mind, it involves music. It involves definitely Malawi. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like yourself, I'm, I'm sort of settled here now, but I'm always keeping an eye on what's happening at home. I, I go yeah. every couple of years when I can. Mm. Uh, my parents still live in the long way. Yeah. Uh, and I'm following very carefully uh, events with what? the government, with the, with, the, with the elections, with the alliance, and, and those sort of things, mm. which uh, I actually don't really want to talk about politics, but uh, hopefully there are some there are some good develop developments happening in, in Malawi, but we have, you know, what I'm focused on now is the future, working with friends that I made at KA, how do we develop, how do we take so many people that in our country that are under the poverty line, that are living without electricity, that are living, you know, without clean water or the basic necessities, who have no mm. food security, how do we empower how do we improve lives so yeah that's, that's the brief history <laughs> absolutely so i, I guess uh, another bit to clarify in terms obviously you are done your architecture and then you're trying to balance uh, your your music as well and instinctively drop the architecture bit and pursued the music or at this uh, this stage are you still half and half so you're you're on a full-time or part-time basis and the music is part-time or full-time how, how are you balancing that at the moment so at the moment i'm i'm back full-time working as an architect Uh, okay, sorry, yeah, you froze a bit. Um, so yeah, that, that that period between up to 2015, I was full-time music or or, or, or diving. Um, but since then, it's been full-time architecture. I, I wanted to, after getting married, really, to create a, a secure home for my wife and, and myself to be stable financially. Uh, you know, I don't think I could live off the music. Um, yeah. So the advice I got when I was young was actually quite good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the music is on always there. It's always on the side. And so we juggle both. We, we The two two of the guys in my band are also architects. In fact, we used to work. Yeah. We all used to work together. And we do. It's just a lovely thing. Um, our 
girlfriends and wives all know each other. Uh, we this weekend we would have been playing at a, a, a festival in Wales, and so we would have travelled. Um, we had a little tour that we were building to to play in, in uh, Cardiff, Bristol, um, and and in Wales. So we normally all travel in a in a ten seater with our stuff, and we we all get on. We'll stay over. We'll do a few gigs, um, you know, and then come back and go back to work. So. So yeah, I'm doing both. I'm juggling. Um, yeah, juggling. Juggling. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what do you say are the, the highs and lows of, of, of doing that at the moment? How do you find it? You know, I think it's it's actually quite a good thing to do, to do two things. Um, Hmm. At first, I always saw them as enemies. I saw architecture as the thing I had to do to make money. To make money, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but my real love, I used to say that, that, that architecture is my wife, but music is my mistress. You know, music <laughs> was the thing that I kind of wanted to um, to be doing, and not that I'm advocating having a, a wife and a mistress. I think it's best <laughs> to have one, one wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But then I, I started realizing that I think, you know, I would love to do music full time. Of course, of course I would. But I started to realize that the two things could actually be partners, that one, they could inspire each other. That And they have similarities, architecture and music, things, um, you know, like rhythm and uh, symmetry and geometry and um, mathematics. There's there's some there's some very common things between them. So. Now I see them as just two aspects of, of who I am. And they, when I've done a full day's work in architecture and uh, designing buildings, it's nice to then go and play a gig or rehearse with my band and do something that's music that's completely different. Um, and I wonder if I had just to do one of them, if it would become maybe a bit monotonous, maybe a bit boring. Um, I'm not sure if I was just music but um yeah because i guess there's there's a bit of a creativity in both isn't it you know you have to be creative with what in 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 architecture obviously and also in music so i guess uh, those two uh, you know marry each other in 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 that context i i believe so i guess uh, you know you've mentioned that architecture is obviously uh, you know, at, at the start where you mentioned that when you are getting this career advice in terms of going forward, whereas you were thinking that you would, you would pursue music sites, but on the other side, there wasn't really a particular route that enabled you to, to sort of live financially just on the music alone. Certainly not at the start anyway. Uh, but um, the architecture piece, I think you mentioned that you you had a bit of an interest in that as well, isn't it? It wasn't just something that you you picked up out of random things because you, you couldn't just pursue the music. So I would imagine over time as you got more into it, it's it's something that you liked and you enjoyed as well. Something that has grown into you alongside the music. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and um, 
I, I was interested in drawing at school and I did technical drawing and art and so and maths and, and sciences so that those are the sort of things that um, are, are, are good for architecture I didn't I was resist you know I really didn't I wasn't passionate about it to begin with so in my first year of university I, mm. I missed a lot of my lectures and I was trying to drop out <laughs> I was kind of trying uh, to, uh, and so I missed a lot of lectures and I kind of regret that now because I think I missed quite a lot of my initial architecture education but sometime in my yeah. second in my second year I got a really wonderful um, teacher called Gus Gernica and he just explained he he just approached design and architecture in a, in, a, in such a a fun creative way that I kind of really got into it it got into it then and, and I yeah. think that so now yeah you know I love it I love architecture I love designing uh, buildings and getting them built um, hmm. and every they were all right the people who directed me to do this yeah it's hard to um, admit that I would like to say no no you know it was but no that it was right it was right because Music is very hard. It's a hard, um, it's a hard mm. career. It, the music business itself is is a difficult thing to get in, and and not particularly um, a. It's not a, a great industry. Yeah, um, and and I think also that there's a very there was a shift that up to maybe the age of the early mid twenties. Music was about doing something that was cool, that, you know, um, hmm. the focus was let's, was we want to, we want fame. We want everyone, we want to hear our songs on the radio. We want people to, we want to, we want to be famous. And when that didn't, when that doesn't happen, you then think, okay, well, I'm going to stop doing this or I must not be very good at this because I didn't, I didn't make it. Um, and I actually did stop playing for maybe three or four years. I just put down the guitar and I just said, I'm, I, 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 I made a shot for it. I'm obviously not talented, so I'm not going to pursue this any longer. But then after that period, I, I just realized how much I loved it. And I think then there was a big shift in my thinking. And I realized that music isn't something to make me anything music is something that i need to do yeah. uh, to be happy and um and then i started to notice that in playing i could make a few people around me happy mm. uh, not everyone but there, there were people so that's a big thing if if people are listening to you it's it's a great encouragement um mm. and i think that's really my view now is i'm not too bothered about when we record something or release it, uh, we put it on either Spotify or iTunes or whatever. Of course, you're happy if people listen to it, but I, the making of it and the, what the song is about and the meaning now is so much more important um, than is it going to be on the radio. Of course, it's lovely. I mean, I've had a couple of songs on radio in, in South Africa and in Malawi, and it's it's wonderful when that happens, but it it's not the focus anymore. The focus is to write some good songs that people make people feel something. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess uh, in in the music industry, probably like many other industries, I mean, do you believe there is such thing as um, either luck or being in the right place at the right time or being discovered by relevant people in the industry? I, th- I think it, it's probably more so relevant in music, isn't it? Because there there could probably be some people who are in most people's um minds or views are probably not as good but at some point they got lucky they stumbled upon some, upon some promoter or someone who took them to places so i guess that's probably one i, I would imagine would be one of the challenges in the in the music industry to make it big isn't it like, like in your idea that you had that you'd probably be playing big big gigs or being a big uh, star or group out, out there so those, those kind of challenges as well. But uh, from, from your journey, it looks like you, you did manage to meet certain people who managed to help you at least to realize you know, your, your potential and what, something that you had passion about to actually pursue it at, at some level still, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there have been a lot of you know, wonderful people around me, including my own family, my sister, my parents, my wife, um, and her family, friends. And, you know, the thing is that I just, I have improved, I've got better. And that's the thing you can really hope for. You know, I think I just want to be a better guitarist and singer tomorrow than I am today. Uh, And I think, you know, I, I am better now than I was five years ago so and I just want to learn more I just want to learn more songs I want to learn more uh, I'd love to get more into jazz um, you know learn things that are, are maybe a bit daunting or a bit um, a bit difficult yeah. um, but as you say in the music business I think they always say you know it's connections it's who you know yeah it can be that you're just in the right place at the right time. Mm. I always thought that really two, the two things that need to that you need to have are um, a, a tight band. You need to play well, yeah. and, you, and you need some good songs. Now, if you've got those two things, mm-hmm. then anything's possible but then you need the third thing which is either a bit of luck or being in the right place at the right time or knowing someone who knows someone who can give you a little um and and we've we've had that not you know not not a massive one but we you know we've, we've we've met promoters who have pushed us who have given us bigger gigs who who have said we like you guys we want to put you on our main stage this year so mm. it's it, i see it as a slow a slow process you know my band it has been going for 10 years we've been going since 2010 mm. and i just see it as a journey that i'm on with these guys you know and, and yeah. i just want to see how far we can go mm. um, yeah I, yeah also, because I mean, one one of the things I get um, to, to 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 talk to people I, I, again, because sometimes you have to strike this uh, this balance, obviously, because for most people, I would imagine even you included, if 
um, finances or money or something was not an issue. You probably pursue music as, as as a hobby or something that you like to an extent that uh, you, you're, you're focused on that, you're creative in that, and uh, you know, like like you put it up here that doesn't matter whether whether your song gets onto the charts already or whatever, but just it, it's almost uh, an an inner uh, feeling. It's it's for you, just the buzz and the feeling and and the uh, excitement and the happiness and the creativity that it brings in you is, is, is much more than uh, outside people as well. And uh, it, it, it tends to be that when you are in, in that zone, because you're not worried about the outside stuff, that's when you you, you, you get to be at your best in a way. And also um, the magic or the luck sometimes happens in that zone when you're actually not expecting it or not wanting it to happen or not specifically focusing on it. That's, uh, I guess, sometimes when, when things do happen as well. But uh, so far, you know, you seem to have been in a really good 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 space, you know, a right team, like you said, you know, good songs and a, a, a good solid band, you know, with, with the guys that you're working with. So it looks like... Uh, that's been quite 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 well. So, because it, it sounds like there hasn't been many changes in your band, isn't it? You've been like you solid guys for quite a quite a while, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we had. Um, there was a there was there's always been four of us between 20, yeah. 2010 and twenty fifteen. Um, we we had another band member, um, mm. Charlie. and she 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 left to settle and uh, have have a baby and you know get married and stuff so my friend tom and now this is actually a this is a really quite a cool story um so tom is tom is quite a bit younger than me tom's 25. so it was tom's grandfather in 1955 who gave my dad the scholarship to go to canada so my dad worked for uh, Tom, Tom's grandfather was a wonderful man called Ted Nams, had come from the UK uh, to work in the colonial government in Malawi, and my dad worked for him. Ted realized my dad had some potential, so he and his wife, Margaret, organized for my dad to go to Canada. And when my dad and mum moved back, the Nams, the family, they were still in Malawi. So we grew up with them, uh, Becky, Tom's mum is, and my sister and I are like siblings. Um, and when Tom was born, I held him when he was a baby. He's like part of the family. Uh, and uh, we played music when Tom was maybe five or six. He started learning the violin, and I was then in my 20s. So at, whenever we would meet at family functions, we would play to, together. I gave him my CD, and he would listen to my songs. And I think finally in, in 2015, when I was getting married, my wife said, can, can you guys play at the wedding? And I didn't really want to play at my own wedding, but, you know, when your wife asks for something, you try and make, you make her happy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I knew there would be just the three of us. Um, and then Tom, Tom came up and said, well, I can play violin and then I can sing, and I can sing in Chichewa because I've been listening to your album, you know, my whole life. So... So he came and it was amazing, like, bang, he knew all the lyrics, he could do all the back vocals, uh, he plays guitar, 
and, and violin and mandolin. So he just fitted straight in. And from then, the last five years, we've just been, yeah, a very, very solid uh, band, very solid band. We're, we're, we're quite a lazy band. We don't, we don't write a lot of stuff. Um, you know, because we all work, we rehearse maybe once a month or once every two weeks if we can. Um, but we really enjoy each other's company. And I think what you, you, you hit on there is music. It starts inside you. And it, when you write a song, when you play for yourself, mm -hmm. it makes you feel a certain way, happy or sad. Or you can, you know, I used it a lot. In, early in my life as a mental health uh, helper, I used it as a, a therapeutic device to, if I was sad about something, I would write a song about it, or if I was angry about something. Um, and then the next stage is when you then play that song with other people, with the band, and you get a certain chemistry and a certain feeling out of that. And then the next stage is when you then play that music to other people and when you start to see other people reacting and you know being happy or be dancing or responding to to the music that's when the real buzz comes because you realize that you're connecting with people in 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 a way that is you know really very special so that's the yeah i think that's the that's the great joy of it now and of course the main the main joy for me is is playing live, playing live gigs. And in this, this last 10 weeks with the coronavirus, it's been tricky. I haven't seen my band for, in that time. We haven't rehearsed, uh, but I have started doing solo gigs um, from my living room. I think that's how we you came across me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. That was, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Oh, thank I really, you. really good. You know, I, I love, uh, because, it, it it is true, like like um, you know you, you say, and and it, it's great that uh, you know through the various people that you you know had been uh, advising you or, or speaking to you that uh, you managed to to nail down your your niche so you can you know do these songs in in Kichewa and that that's your like particular particular niche, which is which is uh, you know re really great. And uh, like I said at the beginning, because. Sometimes it's also about the the image and the brand that you put out there. And for you, you're you're quite distinct in your in your image. Like I said, you know, I love the hair, the look, and and that that brings a, a certain kind of uh, curiosity because in in uh, any any industry, especially in music, where there's probably a lot of people either trying to get into it or already in it, you know, you have to be at least have your own unique or signature that, that people can actually remember and say, oh, that is that is one. You know, whenever you appear somewhere and, and it, it's clearly and it's distinct that that is that is it's wrong, you know. And and you you have that, you know, it, it, it's it's very clear and it really works for you. And that that's quite the appeal, you know. A, a lot of people there's a lot of excitement in, into it and it, it gets reflected like you've said you know music is such a unique thing in the sense that it can bring out you know your personality your character your your person you know who you are through the way you play the way you 
you sing and the way you present yourself. And, and that is one of the beauties that I, I see in, in your music and, and, and when you play. So that is really quite, 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 a, quite a beautiful thing in, in the way that, that you go through uh, that, that niche as well. Uh, so just um, uh, take you um, back a bit as well, you know, uh, that, that part of uh, growing up, like we, we discussed before, obviously, you know, um, being uh, mixed rest and, and, and uh, you know, trying to find your identity and all the different things going on. Um, uh, just uh, talk us a, a bit more about that. I mean, did you find that as being more of a, of a challenge in your uh, progression or uh, was there a, 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 a lot of uh, challenge things with that? Or, or in some circles, was it to your advantage because you could span both worlds, like, you know, Malawi and in Europe? And, and how, how did that play out going forward, would you say? Uh, yeah, I would say that that was the biggest challenge for me growing growing up um and interestingly i mean i don't know you you know uh, trevor noah for instance yes i know yeah yeah, yeah. i listen to who I, quite I, a lot. you know i think he's really funny and but until yeah. until i for me trevor noah kind of he, he kind of he, that explained my story to me I hadn't realized that being mixed race w w would be a thing. Um, so when I was growing up, I wasn't, I didn't see myself as anything. I just saw myself as a, as a, as a person, as a human being. I saw myself as a Malawian. Um, I saw myself as a, a musician, but I didn't particularly see myself as uh, any kind of race. Uh, and I think what was, there was a bit of the, the biggest challenge. There was quite a lot of shame and a lot of hurt when I was growing up because from the outside, a lot of people would say, you're not Malawian and you can't, and because you can't speak to And if you can, how can you not speak your own language? And I was aware of that and I felt very ashamed about it. And, um, it, but even if I tried to speak, it was, you know, I'd, lo I'd lost it as a child. And that's really when you, you learn your mother tongue. So, that was such a challenge. I had a lot of shame inside. I felt I didn't like myself because I felt like I had failed already. I'd failed, failed myself. And I listened a lot to what people said to me. And unfortunately, there were uh, quite a lot of negative voices. Um, and I think, you know, although, although we... <laughs> I think there is a bit, there is racism in Malawi. I, I see Malawians as everyone that has born or lives in Malawi. So if you're Portuguese, if you're Indian, if you're from Mangochi, if you're from uh, Mzuzu, you're, you're Malawian and I'm Malawian. But I, I sometimes see people saying, you know, ah, the Asians, they're not Malawian. And I don't agree with that. They are Malawian. I, you know, I think we need to think like Brazil. Brazilians are black, white, uh, red, yellow. They are a unified nation. And until we see ourselves as a as a, a multiracial, multicultural, 
and multi-ethnic uh, and religious nation, we will not we will not realize our potential because we will be fighting each other and we will be struggling against each other. And this is the thing that I noticed when I was growing up was that people were very uh, very opinionated about other people and. You know, I thought it was actually about me, but I've even seen on Facebook, you know, you see a musician or a celebrity will do something and then people say, ah, but that's not gospel and ah, you can't have your hair like this. And, you know, and then you think, no, actually don't have an opinion about me. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. If you like it, that's wonderful. If you don't like it, don't listen to me. It's fine. But you don't need to shoot at me. So that was the biggest challenge was... And in a way, I thought, no, I want to change the way people are. I want to make, I want to change people's per- perception. And I tried. I tried to be a person that people would accept. And then at one point, someone just said to me, Ron, they're just some people who are never going to accept you. Now, are you yeah. going to worry about those people? Are you going to put all your energy on those people? Are you going to put it into the people that accept you? And I, that was, a, again, like a light bulb yeah. going on. And I said, you know what? I've been worrying about this stuff for too long. I'm going to be Ron Nkomba. I'm going to be who I am. And I'm going to do what I do. And mm. if you like that, it's wonderful. And so to have you, you know, watch my gig and then and then get in contact and say, I like what you do is wonderful for me. And I have I have people, I do have people who come up to me sometimes if I'm at home in Nidongwe, I'll have people who come up and say, what, what, do, you, what do you think you're doing? Why are you singing it? You're not Malawi, and I just say, look, hmm. nice to meet you. I don't really have any time to talk to you today because why? I can't allow any more negativity um, into my life. I've kind of had enough. So, but it is. I think it is difficult. There were many times when I thought, I wish I was black Malawian, or I wish I was Nzungu white, pure, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a mix. And recently. It, People now have started talking about it that it is it is challenging to be mixed race or to be mixed culture um, because you 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 don't get accepted by either side um, and for a long time I was uncomfortable with my own my own who I was but now you know I'm really happy I I was I, I'm the person I was meant to be and. I've had to come to terms with with who that is, but I'm really happy I am who I am, and I wouldn't want to be anyone differently now. And people always ask me, so do you, you know, especially in Malawi, so do you do you see yourself as a, a black person or a white person? And I say, well, I, I'm just a person. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I see myself as a black man. I'm a black man. Um, mm. The things the, 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 that are happening in the states, the the racism I've experienced a lot of a lot of racism, um, and so I am a I am a black man in my own head, um, and I'm very proud to be a black man. I'm very very proud, and uh, I will you know continue to fight racism and fight prejudice um, through music and through having conversations like this um, yeah. as much as I can. Mm. Absolutely, and I encourage anyone who's struggling with identity or race you know just you've got to first start with yourself and just accept who you are and don't listen to the negative voices because they're always going to be there absolutely and, and that's like uh, 
a great realization point as well, isn't it? You, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head. It's just uh, unfortunate that uh, these things will, will tend to, uh, to be understood and, and accepted by people over time, probably as, as they grow old and grow wiser. But it's such a, a waste of uh, time and energy to consume yourself with the emotions of trying to please people, you know, especially people when they're being negative and all of that, you know. If, if, if uh, people growing up as youngsters, you know, just get it out of their head, that, uh, it doesn't matter because anyone and everyone is going to have an opinion on, on who you are or what you're doing or whatever. And that is their business. It's, it's none of your business because it's not things that you can control. But you can control the way you react to it and the way that you, you proceed with it. So that is quite a key message. And it's good to see that, you know, for you, you now get to understand that and accept it for what it is, embrace it and just move on, you know, not let it so much affect, you know, who you are and, and, and what you're doing. And, uh, I mean, these days uh, the world is, is, is going so much global, I mean, if you, if you look, I mean, obviously you living in London must be lots of different people, not only a mixed race, but from all walks of life, you know, the, the whole world. I mean, if you look in the, in the hub. So it, it's more about also education, you know, people when they, they, they get to be educated or when they travel, they see how global the world is and all of that. So it, it's probably a generational thing. I mean, for a country like uh, Malawi, for example, I think, more and more people are getting more educated, they're traveling, they're probably trying to understand more these things. But I can imagine growing up in those early days, like you said, things were different. Even for your parents, like you said, you know, a mixed race couple in Malawi in the you know, 60s and 70s, that must have been uh, quite, quite challenging, you know, like you said. So, you yeah, know. no, it was. And, and, um, I, I, I tell you, I have so much respect for my parents for, for mm. what they did. And, you know, they were warned, but, but I think before they got married, you know, this is going to be difficult. Mm. And, wow. uh, a few years ago, it was illegal to, for them yeah. to marry. Uh, and, yeah. and even arriving in, in, in Malawi in the early 70s, there was a, you know, co colonialism was not long gone that, that we had been independent yeah. and society was still very split um between races and uh i think they really they did a good job to 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 fit into society and to to bring us into society um yeah. and uh yeah it was it was an interesting time. You know, there were not many families at that time. There were probably three families in Malawi, three or four families that were mixed when I was born. So you just yeah. you didn't have you would be anyone who looked like you. You know, you just were different. And um, it, it was, but again, like I say, I, I, we didn't really notice. I didn't really. I wasn't aware of it until some point. Some point you become aware of it, but. In the beginning, I wasn't really aware of it. Um, mm. yeah. yeah, but I mean, how how were your your parents themselves? I mean, obviously they they did the best that they could, but did you notice it affecting them in any 
particular way in, in the way they conducted themselves, like being depressed about it or down about it, or were they quite positive about the, the whole situation? I think they, they were very positive and they, they in fact, you know, became role models. They, for me, they became um, an example of how we should live together, how we should, um, how we should accept each other. You know, my, my dad had to take my mum back to his village and, and introduce her. And it, that, was a, that was not easy for the family to say, well, you've come back from Canada, but you've brought, you know, you're not going to marry Rawi and you, you, you brought this woman. And, but they accepted her. And uh, my, my mum's family, my, my grandmother was wonderful in, in Canada. Um, mum, she always tells the story when she, she took my dad home to meet her mum. And she said to her mum, I'm going to bring this guy home. I really am crazy about this guy. I think I want to marry him. Um, but there's something there's something about him that it might be quite upsetting. And so she took him back home for dinner to meet my grandmother. And my grandmother opened the door, gave him a big hug, and then looked at my mum and said, so what's this thing? What's this thing you need to, what, what is it about him? That, you know, she didn't yeah. see. She saw, but she didn't care. Wow, <laughs> that's an amazing story. You know? yeah, and in the sixties, any I think any mother when their daughter brought home uh, a, a black guy, I think they they would probably have a hard time. You know, so yeah. yeah. So I think wow. yeah, they they and for me, they're role models. They they are not only have they sort of become quite respected in society, and and they are um, you know. Uh, they are in the middle of a wonderful they have their own group of friends and but you know they've also come from being very poor and 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 and, and working very hard and, and and working their way up mm. um so yeah i have a lot of respect for them i think they faced and i don't think it was easy i think they faced quite a lot of hard things but like you say that's the thing that makes you better that's the thing that makes you stronger um Sometimes you've got to struggle a bit through stuff, and then it teaches you. It, it teaches you absolutely, absolutely. Wow! So, and and they had to raise. Was it uh, you had? You say you had uh, the four brothers and their sister? Is it? No, just one one sister. My my dear sister uh, Jenny. Who, mm. She's a bit older than me. Um, yeah. Okay. Just uh, the two of them. Just just the two of us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And the, and the parents are back in Malawi now, yeah? They, they are. They've lived there, apart from the, the two um, posts that my dad did, um, they, they've always lived, they've lived in Malawi. My mum's lived in Malawi now for, I think, 40, 45 years. I don't want to give her, her age away, but she, um, yeah. and she says uh, she's Malawian, you know? She's Canadian, but she said, why can't I be Canadian and Malawi? And why do I have, you know, I've lived here for 40 years. I care so yeah. deeply about this country. It's my country. I've lived here longer than I've lived in my own country. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah it's, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a special thing that they've come through. It's just, I think they're, they're going to write a, a book about their experiences, but um, mm -hmm. 
Wow, I mean, it's 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 you know, there's there's an awesome story there. I'm, I'm sure there, there's uh, you know a lot they they will have to say about their experiences and and what they went through, you know, to 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 be here. So that will be an, an an amazing story. Probably make it into a film, even. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, hope so. I mean, there was a very similar. Um, I don't know if you saw the. Uh, the movie, it was about Saretsa Kama and his wife, who was also, uh, Saretsa Kama, I think was from Botswana, he was, he became the president, and, yeah. and his wife was from the UK, and I think they made a, a movie a few years ago called mm. The United Kingdom or something, but um, yeah. it was about their marriage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, of course, that he, 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 he was the president, so it was a lot more... In the limelight, a lot more scrutiny. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, for you, what is the the, the grand plan? Like, um, what what does the future look like for you? Uh, when when you visualize where you want to be, where yourself, uh, where you see yourself, and where ambition, your ambitions lie, what does that look like? Paint, paint us the picture. <laughs> It's a, yeah, well, that's it's a tricky question. I think I, my 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 wife and I are quite nomadic. We 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 travel. We like traveling a lot. So when we talk about our future, I think I don't see us being here in London forever. You know, all the time. I would love to yeah. spend more time at home uh, in Malawi. Yeah. I would love to, to obviously carry carry on playing music. I think the the picture of the perfect lifestyle would be six months in Malawi um, from September to to April during the rains during those seasons, yeah. uh, while the weather's not so good here. And then you know the, to doing I don't know some kind of architectural work or music, yeah. uh, and then coming coming to the UK for six months, I think to need that um, that movement, that changing of climate and that, that changing of culture, um, yeah. I think it's good for the soul. I, I, I've never been very good at staying in one place. Um, I kind of get bored easily. So I think a future that involves moving and playing, playing music and architecture is... Yeah. is um, yeah. Yeah, because that that's quite ed education as well, isn't it? When you move, you you learn about you you network, you meet people, you learn about cultures, and all of that. But do you do you get to go to Canada a lot as well? You have family there, part of your mom's family. Yeah, my mom, my mom's family, um, uncle and and cousins are all out in Canada. Yeah. Uh, the last time I was there was for my grandmother's funeral. Unfortunately, that was wow. quite a while ago. That was maybe ten or more years ago. So I don't get, I don't really get to go to Canada as much mm -hmm. as I would like. But we're talking about going, trying to go to visit my family soon because yeah. I feel like, although interestingly, I've never, I've not identified as strongly with my Canadian. Canadian, yeah with my Malawian roots. So yeah. home is yeah. Malawi, Canada is, it's not really a second home, it's the home that my mum came from, but it's um, yeah. home is definitely Malawi. So, you know, taking a flight or a 
the trip is quite a lot of big things, so I'd probably, mm. probably choose to go home. Yeah, to, to, to Milan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, for um, some aspiring, I mean, looking at your story and the thing that you face to be here, you know, what, what advice would you give to someone who, you know, is aspiring to, to make it in, in music, to be creative, to you know, express themselves in whatever form uh, you would be, as, as someone who's, you know, going through the journey? What, what, what advice would, would you give to budding people in music or generally in life? I think, firstly, practice, practice, practice. Just whatever you're doing. Hmm. If, you're, if you get better and better, that's not going to hurt you. So be good at your craft. Um, you know, really put in the time. You, ha you, 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 you have to put in the time. It doesn't happen. I don't, there is talent. But even the most talented guys I know, they practice hours and hours. And, you know, so just practice. Find what it is that is you. What is it about you that's unique? Um, because that's the thing that's going to make you stand out. Mm. Um, if you're just doing what everyone else is doing, it's going to be harder for you to, to shine. So yeah. look at yourself and find out what the thing and everyone has something that's unique about them, it, whether it's in their voice or the way they play something or, um, and then, you know, just work on that and practice it. Uh, be nice to be nice to people. You never know who you're going to meet, who's going to help you. Uh, just try to be a good human being. I really believe in karma. I believe in what you give out to the world that you receive back. So, um, you know, just be a good person and, and don't expect, I mean, it's probably the hardest one, but just don't, ex don't expect things will happen just because you deserve it or because, you know, things will happen if you make them happen. Things will happen if you yeah. believe in yourself. Uh, things will happen if you practice and if you um, use your uniqueness. So that's the, yeah, that's yeah. the advice I'd give, give anyone. Believe in yourself. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's an amazing key one because you know, if if you just uh, I, I always say, if you the vision of where you want to be is very clear in in your mind, uh, and you believe that you can get there, uh, I think for some reason, nature has some way, whether by magic or whatever, of, of making it happen for you. You know, so. I say the how you how you're going to get there is almost you know can be irrelevant because if you get bogged down on on how you get there, you lose focus of the journey, the destination. But nature will deliver you there if you're very clear of what the direction that you want to get and and you believe in uh, in in that. So that that's a really great piece of. Uh, of advice. So um, at this stage, um, are you able to test out playing as a bit of a, a tune? And, you know? <laughs> yes, I will try. And again, like we said, audio, sometimes some platforms, it's once you add yeah. two instruments, then it starts to. Well, what, I'll try, yeah. what I'll try to do is um, 
plug in to my amp and just play you. Yeah, cool. Play the song. Um, Thanks, man. And if it if, if it doesn't work, if it's scratchy, then um, I'll just yeah. Uh, I'll send you an MP3 and you can put it on the end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think. Uh, It'll be good to have a live. I think I think it should be okay. Can you hear that? That's perfect. That's good. Very, very well. Thank you. Okay, let's let's hope it it records through okay. So I'll sing you a song called uh Lulemba. Lulemba meaning yeah. Monday. And I wrote this. Uh, with my band a couple of years ago and uh, it started off being a song about really just that feeling you get on a Sunday when you don't want to go to work the next day maybe you're with your friends in a in a bar or having some fun and so there's a group of friends and they're just saying you know uh, Monday 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 to you know we've got to go to work tomorrow uh, but I needed something to finish it when I was writing it. I wasn't sure where it was going. How was it going to end? What was the end of the story? Um, and at that same time, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Pete, who I had, I, I'd worked for in Zanzibar, uh, died, unfortunately. Um, and we were recording it at the time. We were in the studio and suddenly I just knew, okay, the end of this song is actually the about him, it's the fact that I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to see him again. So, it, and quite often the songs go like that. They they start with one story and then you know something happens. So, so I'm going to use um, a loop a, a bit of a loop pedal just to um, give myself a second guitar and see how it sounds. Good 
Thank you very much. Wow. That's a beautiful tune. That's a beautiful tune. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. That's, a, that's a, yeah, yeah. 
I could hear it very well. I could hear it really well. I think I think it'll it'll come out quite well as well. So that's uh, that that's really good. That's really good. So right. You really ex- express yourself in your in your music, isn't it? You know, when you, you 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 get into it, and it's uh, it it comes across. So that's really good. So just quickly taking you back to to Kaya, because you are Kaya. What years you you left? Was it ninety two? Yeah. Which years yeah. were you at so, Kamosa? I was 86 to 92. Yeah, 86 to 92. Well, what were your memories of, of Kamosa Academy? Because that, that was the early good days, isn't it? Because the school was new. Everything was, uh, you know, shining and bright and nice, isn't it? What yeah. are your, your memories and your views and feelings of Kamosa Academy in Malawi? I think sort of mixed emotions. Really, the, the the first the first couple of years were quite tough because I was, like I said, I was trying, I was kind of assimilating back into Malawian culture. So, mm. uh, and then we had, you know, there was a bit of bullying, and there was a bit of the older guys, you know, kind of giving mm-hmm. us and that you that stuff happened. But I think after Form 2 or Form 3, so when we were about 15, 14, um, I started really enjoying it. And, and I started, uh, and I made you know some really good friends. Um, there were still people who were going to be criticizing and stuff, but I found, the, I found the guys who were just going to accept me and who said, you know, it, we can't use our friend. So, yeah, memories, I guess, you know, It'll be interesting to know if they they resonate with you um, waiting for girls after dinner on the Appian Way, you know, trying to uh, escort girls. We would go we would go to dinner at six o'clock, and then we had we had to go back to our hostels to do prep at six. Yeah. There was this half hour where uh, you know you could kind of wait for your girlfriend or a girl that you were trying to make your girlfriend and the girls would walk in groups to kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, not protect themselves but maybe just to and it was all arranged you know like p- girls would know like that guy's waiting for me or that guy all yeah absolutely <laughs> i remember that really as a as a big and it wasn't always just to pick up girls it was it was kind of to hang out with our friends who were who were going to be female who are also going back to their hostel so um yeah i remember that i remember of course studying incredibly hard of having to learn greek and latin and um that those being those moments of kind of working very hard uh, and but then i also remember the moments of playing uh, i think the, the school discos uh, every two weeks we would have a a disco um and the djs you know in the djs we would get cassettes and some yeah. study in, in in the uk would send back um the charts or yeah. stuff so, uh, did, did you did you did you guys have the same whereby they would play a certain type of music and then play a slow song where you then get to uh yeah. grab a girl or something and you do the the tight song yeah. <laughs> And, uh, depending on who was on duty, so there were different teachers who would 
basically in, in rotors, you know, and some of them were really strict. So they, uh, I remember at one time they tried to ban the slow songs and it was exactly like you say, you know, the, the um, they, every 10 songs or something, there'd be a slow song. And, uh, yeah. And you would, we would. I remember we, you'd kind of try to book. So you'd go to a girl that you you liked, and you'd say, you know, the next slow song will you will you dance with me? And they'd say, okay, you know. or yeah. quite often I remember going to ask someone to say, you know, um, the song would start, and you'd go and say, you know, you want to dance? And then I'm booked. And then we started to within within ourselves saying, guys, come on, let's not book girls. I mean, it's not cool. And um, Let's try and make it spontaneous. So yeah, there was, um, you know, then the the teachers would be coming around with the with the with the Bible, kind of saying, "Try the Bible must fit in between you and the girl." <laughs> you know, no touching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, wow. what, what years were you there? I, I was there in 93, actually, so from 93, so just after, after you left. <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, yeah, a, a lot of the staff would have, would have been, like, like you're saying, a bit similar. Of course, for us, uh, 95, things changed with the Kamuzu thing and the school not getting funded, and then from then on, you had... Uh, uh, fee-paying uh, students come on, so uh, a bit of a change. But um, and then in my time, that's when uh, they started introducing Malawian teachers as well to come and teach. You know, which I would imagine in your was a, would have been unheard of in your time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was. Kamuzu uh, said, you know, which we thought, which we thought was wrong, um, mm. and also I don't know in your time. Um, but we were not allowed to speak Chewa, so they had banned. I mean, they said if you find speaking Chewa, then you get detention. So, and this was not good for me because I was trying to learn. So, and I wanted to say, look, I don't have lessons, you know, <laughs> but they're like, no, 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 English only. So, um, yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's true, actually. So that wouldn't have helped your cause, isn't it? Because all those years, then when you had no one is speaking it, and obviously no one to teach you or encourage you in any way, so it could have just gone down here. Then, yeah, yeah, because yeah. um, I, I imagine even even at home, obviously your mom being Canadian, there would have been more of English being spoken than than Chichewa as well. Yeah. So imagine your dad would probably try to, to teach you bits and pieces, but uh, yeah. yeah, he used to speak to us, and and um, my sister actually is more fluent because when I think it was moving, I was actually quite fluent at the age of four because we were mm. just out playing with our friends. But moving to to Kenya, I then started to learn Swahili, and then I got really confused between Swahili and yeah. I think my brain then rejected any. <laughs> Any other language, and I really I thought I couldn't um, do it, but you know I, when I went back I went and lived in my dad's um, uh, town for a bit and and just did sort of total immersion and so but you know now I don't practice a lot every day I don't speak so I can see it's mm. uh, I'm starting to get rusty again um, but yeah no ka was. Again, it was formative, and as we say, there are these things that happen, that, and 
they they seem to be the, the right things that you need yeah for to happen um i mean i was quite i was quite um i was quite naughty at ka like you know we we, we went we 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 discovered drinking out drinking and about from three or four so we used to um either on the saturday afternoon when we had an exit um, yes we would go to the ptc there the people's trading center and we would buy some gin and stuff and you know then of course the teachers started getting wind of this so we had to have a roll call at six where they'd come and they'd smell our breath we had to walk down the line and then some of us unfortunately i got i got caught um a couple of times and mm. so I had to spend some time at home which was my parents were not happy about at all um <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to go to Mpepo, like the, the, we used to call it the winds, and there was a bar there, and we would do flights. So we would jump over the fence Saturday when? after all call, after they thought yeah, we, everyone's here, eight o'clock, boom, over the fence, <laughs> down to Mpepo, and I got caught one coming back. I think no, going on the other side of the fence, they were waiting, they just grabbed us as we <laughs> Yeah, and then like we're going home. I was like, no, please don't tell my parents. I was really, and they were like, no, 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 three weeks, you know, home. So, oh. wow. wow, it's amazing how a lot of the stuff is uh, exactly the same thing I went through. You know, sometimes uh, people would uh, uh, hide the gin, and uh, you know, in our time, we were actually able to at the front gates just to bribe some of the guards and then you know like they haven't noticed anything <laughs> and you go with your whole big uh, bottle of gin and stuff you know yeah so you know, all part of our growing up isn't it and when you look back it's uh, you know the memories it's just amazing how certain things that were happening there did, did you get to go to the girls hostels by any chance yeah yeah yeah, my first um, my first suspension was um, so I had two. <laughs> I'm not practical, but you know we might as well talk about it. Um, yeah. The first, yeah, the first suspension was when I was 16, doing my GCSEs, and we went. Uh, I went with a friend of mine. Um, I'm not sure if we'd also been drinking, maybe, and we thought yeah. that the girls' hostel. So we we went. I went to visit two friends of ours. We went to their room. It was very innocent. There was nothing. We were nothing sexual, and we were just going to hang out. So we went into their room. But then, unfortunately, you remember? I don't know if you. We, we, there were some nuns that used to live um, close by or in the hostels, and yeah. were, one of the nuns was sleeping uh, in the in the room next door. We didn't know about that, so she woke up. So she phoned. Uh, the uh oh he was a scary guy one of the housemasters yeah and they came and boom grabbed us and said right you know you guys are in big, big trouble big big, big yeah. trouble yeah so we and that was the end of term it was the last yeah. day um, uh the last night uh, very very silly to do that and uh yeah spent the first three weeks of the next term uh at home and my parents were tough. My parents um, said no guitar. They took my. They said you're not playing any guitar. You're not playing music. You're staying. You're going to stay in your room and you're going to study. And you come out for meals. But this is a punishment. Mm. So, 
Yeah, yeah it was tough. Did, did you go to the girls' hostels? <laughs> wow. Did you do any sports at, at K? Yes, yeah, I did. So I, it, it, luckily for me, um, I'm not very, I wasn't very good athletically. So running and football, mm. that stuff, I was really not, I was, I was quite bad. So, but mm. just luckily for me, um, I'm quite a good swimmer. Ah, okay, and, good. Uh, and generally, there were not. There were a few good swimmers as well, but there were not a lot of good swimmers. So I managed to become quite uh, like the swimming kind of champ. Um, yeah, it was the only. Oh. Thing, it was the only thing I could do. So when there was sports day, or if we were playing football, you know, uh, I was in Chilanga House, um, and I remember. You know, when we would play Mbawa or Chiloa or the other houses, either at football, and they would always be run. Like I was the last guy that anyone would choose on the team because they knew I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't going to do it. But my only one saving grace was every year when we had the swimming gala, and then it was like this is yeah. time to shine. You know, so that was my yeah. one, my one event uh, was swimming. Yeah, brilliant. Which, which house were you in? In uh, Chil- Chilanga. Ah, Chilanga. Ah, the Chilanga boys, yeah. The green house, yeah, yeah. What, which one? Green. I was in Chiloa, so in Chiloa. the one straight across the other side of the view, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, cool. Wow, so you must look back at Kamoza Academy with fond memories, yeah? <clears throat> yeah, I, I do, I do. And um, by the sixth form, you know, I, I was felt much more comfortable being there and... Um, um, it's quite nice talking to some of the guys behind us. Mm. For a long time, I just thought that I kind of messed my school up because I got suspended. And you know, but then when I talk to guys who are a bit younger, they say, "No, no, we actually looked up to you guys." So, yeah, I hadn't realised that when I was there. I just thought people must think I'm some like just some crazy guy, man. Because yeah, so some I, lost boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they're fond memories, and I think the the friends that were made, the friends there, we're still in contact. We're still friends. Um, unfortunately, yeah. you know, a lot of people did. A lot of people didn't make it through car accidents or through uh, oh, illness or whatever. So, quite a lot of yeah. people that we were at school with um, have, have since died, and that that to me is is a very sad thing. Um, uh, so, you know, the, the the band I had there, there were six of us, there, three of us are still alive and three people, three people. Have, oh. um, uh, that's quite sad. Um, but uh, I, I guess for you guys who went there earlier on, in terms of um, opportunities beyond KA, I think they're, they're quite, quite a, available, isn't it? To, be able like did most of uh, probably some of your colleagues or people behind get to make it to go abroad and study universities abroad or some other places at that time. Yeah, yeah. and and I suppose that was it was a bit of a because there were um, there were government scholarships to for studying medicine and architecture and things that you couldn't study um, at at Transfer College or at the Polytechnic. So, mm. and you know, I always said, 
I'm going to study and then I'm going to come back and, and yeah. give back. And I think when you ask about the future, I still have that feeling that I I feel yeah. I have I have a debt to to KA. I have a debt to to Malawi to to somehow give back. And I've managed to start doing that in in small ways um, through charity yeah. and, and through stuff like that. And I think through telling people about Malawi and trying to encourage people to donate to causes yeah. there to help to build absolutely um, that's sort of at the moment what mm. what we can do um to to, to, to yeah Re yeah raising that that awareness you know and and it's uh influ influential people like it now so uh you know with, with a following you can raise that awareness because if even people just as a a holiday destination or something. There's still beautiful places that people can go and, and see in Malawi and all of that. Mm. So that that's good. Do you, do you get to, to, go, to go back to KM when when you when you go back to visit and look at your old houses? And... I haven't. I have been back. Um, I went back. I think it was the. The 20th anniversary, or the third, I can't remember which anniversary, but it, I went with. It must have been about, oh no, that was a long time ago. That must have been maybe 2003 or four, I can't remember, but um, yeah. it would have been five, maybe 2005, because it was 80, was it 85? No, one, I can't remember. But yeah, I, I, I have been back. Um, it was strange because we actually we went for this service it was founded day and then we all ended up in because the teachers all had a they had like a club um with, yeah. with, with the bar and with the golf course and so we all ended up in the club obviously drinking you know drinking with all the teachers and that felt really odd even though i was an adult i kind of felt like i shouldn't you know I'm still breaking the rules. I'm not supposed to be drinking. I'm not supposed <laughs> to be here. You still, when you go back to old school, you still have those kind of, you feel like. Yes. You know, because that's like your childhood memories. So everything sort of freezes and you're like a bit uneasy of doing things grown up because you feel like you're still a student there. Yeah. 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 Have you, yeah. you been back since you left? Uh, yes, I went, uh, oh, it must have been 2008, I, I went back, so a, a while back, so it was good because um, in our time, because uh, Frank Cook was, uh, was, was there in your time, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, eventually for us, because uh, his, his two kids, Mark and uh, Paul, uh, they, they, they came to the school as well, so they were in our year. So um yeah, they were a big Man United fan. So they used to sneak us to to the uh, to the headmaster's house because it was headmaster then to watch uh, Man United games. Ah, so it, was really <laughs> it was cool. It was good. Um, who who are the the teachers that you remember in your time? Who were like most impactful to you, or any that you remember in your time? I remember um, there were teachers like Mr. Bentley, who I think oh. would maybe he was there. He was the PE. He was PE teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I think, unfortunately, he since has died. Um, Mr. Greenwood, who was one yeah. of the masters, I was very yeah. quite scared of him. Uh, <laughs> David Lane, who was our Latin teacher. Wow, yes, David Lane, because I, I, I eventually, David Lane eventually organized a scholarship for me when I finished, because I went to Cyprus to study for four years, and that was all David Lane, because I was one of uh, his good classic scholars, apparently. Right. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. A good, a good teacher, and uh, yeah, interesting guy. There was the, the music teacher, Mr. Folks, I guess he was quite instrumental in getting me into music um frank cook um yeah when we were there he wasn't the headmaster he was uh, i think head of history history um, yes he stayed a long time and then his kids actually ended up going there which i think that's a you know a great story mm. yeah um, absolutely yeah but uh, yeah those are the main ones i mean I'm sure if I went back, it was Miss Dale, she would have not been there when you were there. I'm trying to think of some of the guys we left there. Mr. Martins, Andrew Martins, um, yeah. Yeah. and again, um, yeah. run all the school. Wow. I remember him. Yeah. So what subjects did you do at air levels then? I did, um, I did maths. Physics, economics, and art. And art, ah, okay. Yeah. Level. Um, and I did an AS level in um, Latin. Oh, did I do Latin? Yeah, I must have done Latin. I think I did AS yeah. Latin. Yeah, I did AS Latin. Uh, that, that's another funny story. So, for anyone listening, um, yeah, let's hear it. It was compulsory to do. Greek, Latin, and, 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 and ancient history in, in our first years and, and up to GCSE. Hmm. And then if you got an A or a B in your GCSEs for Latin, yeah. you have to take it for A-level. Uh, and yeah. if, if you got a C, you didn't. And then if you got a D or lower, then you had to retake it. Um, because Kamuzubanda was just a classic, he was a classical guy. And, um, so people would deliberately try to get in the C bracket because people didn't necessarily want to study Latin for A-level because mm -hmm. they're going to do three A-levels. That kind of takes away one of your choices. So people would deliberately, like in the exam, you could see everyone counting the score, you know, and then say, trying to get to not quite an A or a B. And yeah. then when the results came out, we'd always, you know, but unfortunately, like some, some guys would, miscalculate and so instead of getting a, a c they would get like a, an e and then they'd have to use it or other guys <laughs> one, one friend of mine was quite confident he'd got a c he was like yeah, yeah i had all the questions i knew i had them all right then i just kind of crossed out um 20 percent of them so i think i'm going to be in the right thing and he got a b and he was really oh. if i just i could have just got an a you know because now i'm having to study a level um, yeah, yeah, that's in. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but you loved it, so I'm sure you weren't trying to. You were. You didn't mind doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but for us, uh, I, I can't. I don't think we had that. Like, if you got an A or something, you had to do it for A level. But I didn't do it for A level. But GCSE, I did get an A or something. So, uh, yeah, it, it became a choice if you wanted to pursue it. So, but uh, yeah, I'm sure David Lenn will remember you. David Lenn remembered everyone. You know? Yeah, <laughs> remember. Yeah, it's very, good, very good at memory games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really I, good. I remember he used to when he was teaching us Latin or Greek. He he told us a lot of tricks to remember. You know, because yeah. you're, you're you're translating Ovid or the the Iliad or whatever. And to be honest, I didn't I didn't translate. You know, you would learn it. You just you memorize it. You memorize it. But you couldn't memorize the whole book, so yeah. But he would yeah. teach little tricks to remember certain words. Yeah, to trigger yes. the memory. It was really good, really good. He used to memorize a lot of things. He would know, um, you know, what marks everyone got. Like you know, when he was marking things, he can <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He used to love doing. He used to love doing this thing when he marked all the papers. So there's like you know twenty people in a class maybe, and he would. He'd not look. He'd he'd kind of not look at the mark, but he'd just go, seventy eight. You know, he'd give you your paper, yeah. back and he'd tell you the mark, but without looking at it. That was his. Without, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was really good, David Lane. Wow, cool. So, uh, now just. Uh, Moving uh, well, fast forward to now, then with your with your band specifically. So, uh, how how do you guys get to be booked for your 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 band and your events and all of that? I'm just looking forward to anyone listening who are interested in your music or anything. How how would they find you or your your band and your music? Um, so. So to find us, we have a we, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram yeah. page, and uh, um, um, we have a few music pages like Reverb Nation platforms. Um, we have profiles on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Apple Music, iTunes. So we're yeah. we're, we're on all, all of those platforms, which is good. So it's it's mm. easy to listen to to strip to stuff. Mm. Uh, on online, yeah, uh, okay. we have, we have uh, we're on Amazon Music, and we've got a CD, we've got physical sales through um, Amazon, yeah, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, generally getting, we generally mm. we get gigs at gigs, really, like we'll play, you know, it's very, it's very competitive. I mean, there's lots of bands in London, and. Mm stand out and to get booked is, is quite tough but we've got a couple of of promoters one being will will jamison who who founded the lake of stars festival in malawi yeah wow he's been a, a very good friend and supporter of us so sometimes if he's got a band uh, and he need that's quite well known and he's doing a gig in london but he needs a support act for them, then he'll, yeah. he'll ask guys, can you support this band? And, and then we'll meet someone there and they'll say, oh, guys, we're doing a gig for this. Can you can you come and play? Yeah. So most, of our, most of our PR is done 
through gigs. Yeah, uh, yeah. Meeting people. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it's have, have, you, have, have you done Lake of Stars? Oh, not yeah, yeah. So not with not with the not with the band that I have now, but um, I've, I've done Lake of Stars I think three times. So I did the first one, which which was up in Chinteche, mm. uh, and then I did a one somewhere in the in the middle, and then the last one I played, which was 2011, I played that one with um, Ernest. Um, and Sam and Kandawiri and, and Jizami. That was that was also really special. And I don't know if you heard of the band uh, Mafilika, but the, the yes. stars, they were in they were in Mafilika and they were headlining. Mm. And then I said, you know, guys, would you mind playing with me on the Saturday? So they um, so they played yeah. uh, they they played with me on the Saturday. So that was really nice. Uh, that was a good memory. I'd love to take this band to the Lake of Stars one day. Yeah. One day. It's, it's on our plan, but now with the COVID and all of this stuff that's going on, yeah. um, I think we'd, we'd be happy if we just get a t chance to play together. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you do pri private gigs whereby people just call you for events or things like that? Yeah, yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, we do quite a lot of. Um, so we've done a few weddings, and we. Put, yeah. We've been booked for a few birthday parties, like you know, fortieth or sixtieth birthday parties, um, yeah. or corporate corporate events sometimes, and yeah. offices if they're having a Christmas party, whatever. Um, yeah. But generally, we play yeah. at we play at sort of festivals in in the summer when there are community festivals or yeah. some of the, some of the smaller outdoor festivals that we. Yeah. Have. You know, so yeah, it's and uh, that's really nice. I, I like. It's a shame, you know, on a day like today, we could all be somewhere yeah, yeah. in a park with some stages yeah. and some good food and and some different bands. And you know, yeah. I, I can't wait till we're able to to do that again. That again, yeah, awesome. That will be uh, quite good. So I, I think what I'll do. Uh, later on, if you if you send send me links of uh, some of your pages when we um, edit the podcast, we can put uh, some of those on there as well. So to to um, put uh, um, your your profile for you guys out, out there. So uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's 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 been awesome. I know um, there'll be a, a lot of our folks who will be quite interested to. Hear about about your story when this goes out on the podcast, and uh, uh, that that will be amazing. So it's really been um, you know good to you know get to um, understand you and understand your story and um, where you've been and uh, um, what's what's going on. So it's uh, it's really been good, and I understand like like you're saying the the uh, lockdown has been. They're dumping on things, isn't it? <laughs> in terms yeah. of being, you know, music-wise. Um, yeah. But, in, <clears throat> but actually, I think what's interesting and what I didn't see foresee was um, that music can translate over over a digital medium. So when I the first um, gig from 
from my living room. So we've been with my wife, she's been helping me. We've just set up the camera. I just play a gig. Um, yeah. And what I didn't realize was that I, for me, I feel like I'm playing music uh, because I because I am. But there is an yeah. audience that that is is watching, and people are leaving comments, and there's an interaction. Mm -hmm. And one friend in New York or in Vancouver might say, "Hey." Hi to someone who's in Malawi, or so um, we can still function, but it's not as good as not on the stage interacting directly with an audience. But it's still, yeah. possible. and I think that's that's quite a good thing that music can translate. Yeah, yeah. That, that's very good because I remember your that gig. You originally planned to do it in the garden, isn't it? And then the weather turned, and oh, is it the neighbors? Come inside. Inside. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. And actually, it's the the way the whole way I started gigging was a bit of an accident that we mm. did it in the garden um, for my neighbours because the weather was really nice. And a few, I said to them, guys, do if you want, I can do a gig like at three in the afternoon. And everyone was in their gardens and on their balconies, and people were dancing, so it was nice. And then we we streamed it. Um, and then I thought, well, I could actually just do one inside. And so, yeah, the, I think yeah. the, the day, you, you, the one you saw, we were going to do the garden gig. And then the weather, it was very, very windy. Um, yeah. But this is the this is the bonus. It was like, okay, well, we'll just set up. We'll just stay inside and um, don't have to carry any equipment. It's all, it's yeah. all up. Um, uh, the fringe. The fridge is there full of beer, so you know, just between the song, you can just pop beer out, and um, it, yeah. it's, it's quite comfortable gigging from your own living room. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, how many, how many albums have you done so far? I know you mentioned Parla as one of one of yeah, the Parla first one. Yeah, Parla was the first one in 2010. Uh, we did a follow up um, EP called uh, Sonia which was um, from Msonyo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was 2012. Then, yeah. then, then then, we had a bit of a break just from recording, and um, that was the time when I was doing traveling quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then recently, well, two years ago, 2018, we did another EP with two songs called um, um, Loeruka. And, and and we we did a. I, I always like to sometimes do a cover of, of of a of a song. So for that one, we we wrote Lolemba for that, and we also did a cover of the of Makasu's song Wamasese, because I love yes. it. I grew up listening to it. So we did a we did an alternative version of that. It's a bit faster, um, but but it was lovely because I got in contact with. Um, Agnes and Carter, Brighton Carter's daughter, and I just said, I love this song by your dad. Would it, would it be alright with you if I get the copyright from Kosoma and if if we record a version? And she said, Yeah, please do. Please send me the copy. So once we, I always do it properly through Kosoma. I get the rights um, to to uh, to record and give royalties. Um, and then when it was finished, like we sent it to Agnes, and she 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 really liked it. So yeah, it was that was a nice story to be able to 
to record her father's song and, and then send it to her. So that's it. Yeah, but we, like I said, we're quite lazy. And I think <laughs> we're now, I, I keep saying we're now a wonder recorder. I think I'd love to do another album. And I think yeah. I'm going to try and focus in lockdown now. I've started writing new, new stuff and new material and Hopefully yeah. when we're out, we can go into the studio and get this get this stuff done and then do a do a new album. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then did you just uh, promote these yourselves through social media or Amazon or somewhere? Or do you have uh, promoters? How do you uh, we we generally promote ourselves? Um yeah. yeah. I'm I've I'm learning I'm not very good with social media. I kind of I'm a yeah. bit the grandfather I pressed all the wrong buttons and stuff, but um Tom luckily's the younger generation, he's quite savvy. Yeah. Um, so, so he set up our Instagram. He said, guys, you know, we've got to have Instagram, we, we need to have yeah. Twitter. So we do that stuff. And you have to in in a way you have to nowadays. It's if you Yeah. If you're not in social media, it's gonna be probably mm. as difficult yeah. to, to promote again. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if I wanted to get one of your songs now, what, what, what would be the best place to go? Do I go on Amazon, search uh, Ronin Comba, or what, where, where is the best? I, it depends how you listen to music. I, I, so, you would search for the band Nkomba. So, I just decided to use the surname. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that's what the band is called. And if you searched Nkomba, uh, in Google, you'll get probably iTunes, you'll get Amazon, you'll get different platforms. If you just wanted to listen, if you wanted to buy something, which would be wonderful, yeah, probably be off Amazon. If you, Amazon. Happen, okay. yeah. if you want to listen and stream, mm-hmm. which to be honest, I, I, I will be happy if anyone just wants to listen and I'm not too bothered about selling stuff, which is probably why we're not that successful. But um yeah. streaming soundcloud i think is really good because everyone has access to, to if you've got access to the internet soundcloud is a very easy platform to and we've got a profile on there under and all, all of the songs are there so yeah, yeah. it's easy to uh, yeah. yeah no it's, it's it's good what you say there because most of the time it's also about profile and putting yourself out there so if people get to listen to you and recommend you you never know who that person is it might not be in the actual buying of your song but someone liking you and actually you know hiring you for a gig or for something and so on mm-hmm. and so forth so it's, it's and I've, good had, I've had lovely things happen uh, for instance there's um there's a there's a presenter in, in malawi called um talune Tem, tem, uh, Temba, I think, and he just got in contact with me once and said, "I've just come across your music and I play it on um, on radio." And I was like, "Yeah, definitely, thank you." You know, um, yeah. Although whenever I go home, I go to Kosoma and I I go to pay royalties. So any of the songs that we've covered, um, I I we keep a record. I say uh, uh, we keep track of all the sales. And I go to Kusama and I always give them um, the money that's owed, but they never have any of my royalties. So, 
And I'm like, I know I've been on the TV, I know I've been played on radio, event, and they're like, we just can't find the royalties, you know, we don't have enough, it's not been enough airplay, we don't have any money for you, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine, yeah. And uh, listen, Ron, uh, it's been uh, a pleasure. I think we've covered it. Oh, probably yeah. before we go, one of the, um, obviously, the, the topical issues now, I know it's, it's not, yeah, it's not so much politics, but, you know, all these issues about, you know, we are recording here. This is uh, uh, June 2020, and there's, uh, uh, you know, this big, Topic going out there around Black Lives in light of what has happened in America with this uh, um, um, George uh, Floyd and, and and his death, and uh, it's raised uh, a lot of um, um, questions and issues and awareness around issues of race relations and what it is like being black. I think it's not so much in uh, America itself, but globally as well. You know. What's your what's your take of these issues in the current environment and what what's happening around these uh, these issues? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I was I was horrified and 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 hurt and disgusted to see what happened to George Floyd and to see. I can't watch the footage. I, I saw bits of it, but I, I can't uh, watch it. Um, and the last week or the last 10 days has been very, I found personally very difficult. I found, I, I feel a lot of sorrow for what's happened. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad, I'm very sad it happened, but it's given us a, a, a shock as a society to, and it's exposed that there is um, high levels of institutional racism, not only in the in the American police force, but we've started to talk about it in our own context, in in, in even in London, and even in 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 our own companies. And I think what's what so it's been it's been good that it sparked a debate, and it sparked a movement, and of course it sparked a lot of anger. Um, I've had in, some interesting conversations with uh, people that I know, and there have been varying reactions. Now, I think for me, what it, it's a human issue. It doesn't matter. It does matter that George was black, and it does matter that he died at the hands of the police because it has happened again and again, and it's happened too many times. But I think as a human being, we've just got to mourn the fact that one human was killed in this way. And what's quite, what I find interesting is that there are some people who kind of say, well, it, it's not really my issue because, you know, he's a black guy and I'm, I'm, I'm white. So it's not, you know, and I, to them, I say it is your issue. That is definitely your issue. And you are the problem. If you think that this is not a problem, then you are part of the problem. And I've had yeah. some serious discussions with people who are, I would say, friends or colleagues. And I've said to them, you know, I think you need, if you don't feel anything about this, then I, I worry about what you think, because I don't see how anyone can see this and not feel, you know, utter um, horror. Mm. So I, 
my hope is that it really gives us a chance to change how yeah. we are. My worry is that it will go away and that it will just die down and that in two years time we'll be talking about another poor innocent um, person who mm. at the hands of the police. So I think this is the time for us to all, and it's been very heartening. I mean, I'm sure you felt like I felt as mm. primarily as a black person, I feel uh, hurt, I've, you know, horror. Interesting, when, when I talk to some of my friends who are white, they say, well, I don't really feel, I don't feel anything. And I'm like, okay, well, I think that's a problem. I think you should feel yeah. something. Um, I hope it, I hope we can change. I really do, because I've, you probably have um, experienced racism, and hopefully not, not to that extent where, you know, you stop and start and you're held by the police, but I've been, you know, many times not allowed in some places, you can't come into this club because of your hair, you're not wearing the right shoes, you know, this stuff, and you look around and you're like, yeah, but they've got the same shoes as me, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and once you've experienced, I think it, what it comes down to is if you've experienced discrimination, and that might be as a woman, or it might be um, as, a, as a gay person, or it might be as a transgender person, then you understand and you have some empathy. But if you have never experienced discrimination, people are saying, well, I don't really know what the, like, what the issue is. So, yeah. uh, we need to teach the people who had the privilege we need to really say to them, guys, you need to understand this. Like, you need to, you need yeah. to get on, on board with this. And I think that's the only way that we're going to really tackle this problem. And by talking about it, by talking honestly, you know, what's, yeah. it like? what's it like in our company? Are we ethnically diverse? Do you, have you experienced racism? You know, and we've got to be open about that. It's not, it's not comfortable, but. If we're going to tackle it, I think we need to all, all talk about it and be open. About yeah, it. yeah, ab absolutely. You know that uh, raising of awareness. You know, people need to understand. You know, the equality of how everyone was was made because no one it's, it's no one's fault the way they were, they were born. It is who they are, and we need to celebrate the uniqueness you know, of, of of everyone and just uh, believe in harmony between. Um, everyone and, and the communities. So that, that that that's quite key for people to understand. It might be a generational thing, you know, one of those things. I mean, if you look at uh, uh, Martin Luther King and the Dream, you know, from when whenever he made that speech to now, a lot of things have uh, moved and happened and changed, but there's still a way to go, and that's almost like a generational thing. So, uh, if we keep on the message. Keep on educating people. And it could be that the next generation, maybe the kids of our kids or whatever, would um, not have, you know, not see any, any of this. But, you know, that awareness you know, needs to happen and the conversations and, you know, speaking out. And, and uh, I think the, the message of tolerance has, has to go out there really not nice hatred in any form like you said either you know by religious grounds or racial grounds or sexuality or whatever it doesn't really serve anyone so but uh, then hopefully the movements that are happening across the world you know um, just uh, 
as peaceful as they can. Because you know, sometimes some people take advantage of situations and be violent or break things or make things worse. But it is possible to bring out the message in a peaceful way so that those people, you know, in positions of responsibility and power can, can take notice. And um, I see employers and big companies are, are starting to put the message out there as well, you know, not just leave it as a sensitive issue that you know, shouldn't be talked about. It. But some people evade it that way, isn't it? It's like, oh, quite, quite a sensitive topic. You know? mm-hmm. What do you say? Or just, you know, move around it. But it really needs to be put out there. And so, yeah, interesting times. Very so, I think, yeah, 20. Yeah. Someone, my wife sent me a nice thing this morning, which is on social media, but it sort of said, don't. If you think 2020 is is over and has been cancelled, maybe think about 2020 as the year when the world really changed. You know, 2020, it gave us the COVID thing, so we suddenly have had to retreat from society. Nature yeah. suddenly blossomed. Yes. And this terrible thing happened with George Floyd. And, we may look back on this year as the, I hope, as the year that changed the future. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I really hope that we can, um, we don't go back to where we were. We don't want to go yeah. back to 2019. We want to go back to 2030. We're going forward. <laughs> forward. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And, uh, thank you very much, Ron. It's been uh, very interesting. You've covered a lot of stuff. Can I be cheeky and ask that you, you close with uh, another song? Because I love your music. You can play us uh, <laughs> one more cheeky. But uh, yeah, you've been awesome. So <laughs> thank you very much. Um, thanks for coming across me and uh, and and uh, asking to do this. It's been um. It's been a, a really enjoyable uh, chat. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's, yeah it, it's it's really good sometimes to to take that uh, time to stop and just reflect on life and things. And that that's uh, for me. This podcast is, is all about that to, to reflect in ourselves, our journeys where we've been. Because as as you know. Life can be quite fast moving. There's always a lot of things going on. That, that's why, uh, you know, even this COVID thing, you know, uh, with everything else that's happening, it's made people stop and think, sit in one place and reflect, you know, what the whole picture, the whole purpose, or, you know, the world and all of that, just be reflective. So it, it, it's good for you to, um, you know, agree to, to come and just, uh, you know, be reflective, talk about uh, all things and your journey and all that. And people will be inspired by your story, what you've gone through, where you've been, and some of the advice that they can take about themselves and their life and believing themselves. And, you know, all those people with negative views about anything, just uh, put that aside because you can only uh, go forward by doing the things that you can control and be good and be nice and tolerant to everyone. So 
it's a, it's a good message, good story. So thanks for for coming on. So and uh, your music is, is is beautiful as well. So that's oh, <laughs> very. That. That's a great compliment. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful so, to have you. So, so which one are you going to sing for us? I I will sing a song called um, Hosa Chedwa. Ah, okay. Uh, and I wrote this probably in about 2007 or something. Um, yeah. Mama, I'm coming home soon. Um, and it's ironic because, you know, soon is a bit like tomorrow. It doesn't actually come. So the song is a, a bit of a yearning to go home and... Um, that maybe that, that soon doesn't actually actually happen. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll uh, uh, thanks, Ron. I wonder where I could 
Yeah, thanks, Ron. Thank you very much. Do you do you do you find that um, some people get uh, uh, not confused, but a bit uneasy? That obviously you are speaking Chichewa, but not with the Chichewa or local accent. Does that do you, do you find the comments about that oh, with people? All the time, you know, um, <laughs> comment on it. Yeah. And that, that's that's why, in a way, I I I never spoke because as soon as you speak, then someone and it feels critical. It it feels like someone saying, you know. But then at one point, I just thought, you know what? I, I would rather be able to speak with a funny accent, mm -hmm. than not to be able to yeah. speak at all. So, you know. But yeah, yeah. people often comment, and they always, you know, and whenever I go home. Sometimes it's quite funny if I'm, uh, I'll go into a, 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 a bar or something and I can hear people, you know, talking, hey, Alindo, you know, talking about me. Uh, <laughs> and I can, yeah. you know, and then I'll say something, I'll say something, you know, in Chicho, and then they, but then people are confused because they're, they're like, but where are you from? And I'm like, Mal Malawi. And they're like, no, 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 you're not from here. And I'm like, no, no I am Jamaica. <laughs> No, 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 not Jamaica. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you see, for yeah, for for me, for me, that that's that's also your 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 brand, right? Like that that that's you, you know. So, um, I, I think you you should take that as uh, you know. Remember, you said about you know in music or anywhere, you have to look at something that is uh, specific that is unique to you. And uh, for me, I see that as being part of you because if there were let's say you know five or ten or twenty singers out there you know i i, I bet you someone will, will pick you any day anytime they will remember you just for being that unique you know so that is a that is a big advantage for you so i hope i know you don't see it as, as a as a negative <laughs> one Embrace whatever comments or whatever people, and, and you you can use it even playfully, like you say. That's a classic example. People talking in the background you know, about you, and then you surprise them by just <laughs> speaking to each other. So that, that's that's brilliant. You know, that's that's really good. You know, it certainly leaves a great impact on me, and I know there'll be a lot of listeners who will absolutely love and. Uh, enjoy this so that's great when when did you start keeping the the locks then um i started growing them when i was in my second or third year at university so that was in in south africa and um it was a bit of a rebellion because yeah. you know in malawi we weren't, we weren't allowed uh long hair or, or um or locks definitely so um it was a bit of a rebellion and i thought i was just going to do it for a, a year or two just to annoy a few some people um yeah. but then i kind of really liked them and to, to me they became my identity and they became uh, about who i was so i don't think i will ever cut them i mean uh, they are my they are who i am 
Um, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, another time, yeah. 20, 20 years, uh, I cut them every now and then just to make them shorter. But I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Rastafarian. I'm, uh, yeah, just keep them. Yeah, I'm just a guy with dreads. So, um, but it's so interesting. They have their. Sorry. Hmm. Yeah, go on. Now I was just thinking. Being in, in South Africa, it would have been quite popular as well. Because wasn't that the time of uh, Lucky Doobie and stuff? Was that around that time? Yeah. yeah. It was also locks. So I, I think people would have been a lot more tolerant in terms of identity and understanding them more in South Africa than in Malawi, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 No, that, that, in a way, that's why I grew them there and not. Yeah. Not at home, and I think I remember when I first came back with with them. Uh, yeah, a few of my friends were quite shocked in Malawi. They were like, "Oof, you've got you, you've grown dreads!" Like you know, and I was like, "Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's the way it's going to be," you know. So um, yeah, it was yeah. a bit of yeah. a bit of rebellion. Yeah, uh, cool. But uh, one that has been become a, a, a proper brand of you, which is great. So, um, yeah, now, again, thanks, Ron. I've taken quite a, a lot of your afternoon, but it, 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 it's been great. So I'm sure um, we'll, we'll um, catch up again. Great story to capture, great brand, and thanks for the music as well. So I'm sure we'll, we'll be speaking soon and I'll continue listening to your, your music and we'll, we'll share the links and and your story on the uh, episode notes as well when the uh, the podcast goes out. So it would be um, uh, great for listeners to actually come and find you and uh, get to enjoy your music like I do. Okay. Oh, All right. Thank yeah. you. That, that's yeah. kind of when you're thank kind of helping us promote our music as well. So that's always really appreciated. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thanks right. for that, Ron. Yeah. Take care of you. We'll talk to you. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Uh, bye. 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 bye.